spacecraft did not crash in Roswell, New Mexico in 1947. You know flat earthers, I guarantee it. But you don't know who they are because they're afraid of talking about it. This is not a test. This is your emergency broadcast system. Hello and welcome to the 183rd annual Subliminal Perception Podcast, your weekly dose of conspiracy theory. Bullshit. My name is Cody and Dread Pal. Phil, how are you? Doing good, buddy. How about yourself? Ah, not too bad. We uh, in Minnesota kicked off the year 2023 with a delectable blizzard. So that was Ugh. fun. You know, is that fucking heart attack snow? It's like five inches of it. I was shoveling when I got home and I was sweating. It's that type of snow, you know? Yeah, that's the the worst kind of snow is that wet snow that uh, super heavy, like every single shovel load feels like you're lifting up cement. I know when half my when I got out of work and I was going to my car, half the fucking car was just ice. So, you know, uh, it was weird because, you know, it was like 40s last week and now it's freezing again and then fucking blizzard coming in. Yeah, well, it's uh, it's been a little bit chilly over New Year's Eve and New Year's Day. It rained, so it kind of rained all weekend. Not uh, not the greatest, you know, holiday weekend, but whatever. So I don't know. It's uh, it's not snowing at least, so still good. <laughs> oh, I was actually gonna mention this. So uh, New Year's Eve went to the bar, and I was hanging out with my family there, and we were waiting in line. You know, uh, Dirk Bentley the the bar that we go to in yeah. Gilbert. Yep. Uh, there was a couple of people in front of us. Um, basically Dirk's is a, it's a restaurant that turns into like a club around like eight thirty nine o'clock. So basically all of the people, they make you wait in line until like, you know, the tables, you know, all the old people basically, you know, get out of their tables and leave the, there was like three girls and a dude in front of us. And one of the girls actually looks back and says, do you guys have you ever been here before? Is is this like? Do they usually make you wait in line? So we kind of like explain to them, you know. They're like, "Oh, we're not from around here." It's like, "Oh, where are you from?" I could hear it in their voice. They were from the Upper Midwest. We're from North Dakota. <laughs> <laughs> you sure are. <laughs> it was pretty fun. But she's like, "Yeah, I don't mind waiting in line. It's really nice out here, actually." In you know where they were from, it'd be freezing fucking cold, and they'd be you in know, a, dying out there in a barren state too. Oh God, yeah, there's no shelter from the wind and fucking yeah. They were they were from uh, North Dakota University, so I don't know what city that's in. Uh actually, you know what's funny? You know, it's probably more South Dakota, but Arizona and one of the Dakotas, um, not that different of states, really few big cities and then it's pretty barren yeah we have one massive city one kind of big city and then nothing so yeah yeah, i get what you mean a couple of resort towns up in the mountains but that's it yeah they got mount rushmore oh yeah south dakota has mount rushmore i don't know if south dakota has like mega though no i don't think either of them do they have grand forks i don't know how big that is I think it's like <laughs> Rochester size. Um, Considering most of the people listening probably have never heard of Grand Forks. I don't think it's a uh, a Minneapolis or Phoenix size city. So. 
So I think uh, what I've heard from remember my old roommate. That's where he grew up in North okay. Dakota. Um, good gateway to Canada. I can't remember the name of the big city that's right above it, but uh, maybe Edmonton. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. It seems like well, every single province in Canada seems like it has like one really big city that kind of everyone lives in. And then all the other people are just kind of either farmers or super small towns. Right. Yeah. Not much yeah. there. So did you, I have was going to say, Go if he's from North Dakota, the going gateway there is fucking meth. I'm pretty sure. But <laughs> So did you have a uh, overall good night at, uh, yeah. at the bar? Yeah, no, it was good. We, uh, we had a good time, you know, drinking, hanging out. You know, actually, people were kind of talkative. We, you know, talked to a few people. That bar's not very, not known for, like, nice people or people, like, talking to others outside their clique. So there's actually some decent folk there. Uh, the manager of the bar got up with the band and basically forced the band to allow him to sing. It was oh, pretty no. awkward. He was fucking terrible. Though he does have a level nine mullet. Hell so, yeah. You got to let felt- him sing then. You got to let him sing country. Yeah, he felt entitled, I imagine, with that <laughs> mullet. So, you know, shaved on the side. Very Shawn Michaels. Very heel turn Shawn Michaels. So. You know what? Uh, before we get into the uh, episode here, I wanted to tell you, have you ever watched the documentary um, Sins of Our Mother? A little bit of it. It rings a bell. Is it a Netflix documentary? It is a Netflix one. And okay. A lot of yeah. it takes place in Arizona. And, um, you know, it's, there's a part where a guy shoots another guy claims it's self-defense. Right. And the cops are just like, Oh, good enough to us. All right, go home. We'll see you later, buddy. I'm just like, Whoa, I feel like there should be maybe a little more investigative work here, um, than that. But then you've explained outlaw outlaw Arizona. So I'm like, you know what? (laughs) It's just how it is. Yeah. Basically, if you shoot someone on your property, you can just kind of say like he might have had a gun and the cops would be like, yeah, he might have had a gun. And they just, "Okay, well, we'll just write this one off as, you know, like you might have to you might have to, you know, go to court for this one. And but you're probably going to be fine. Basically, what it's that kind of shit. Well, it it was just baffling because they're they uh, interrogate him at the police station, you know, and then same day. Send them home, no charges, no investigation, no nothing. Yeah. What year was that? Did that take place? This uh, might, this, I mean, it, it's probably gotten better since even, you know, 10 years ago. I think, so. I think it's within the last five years. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there still is that outlaw shit that's going on. I told you about that guy who got blasted by the cops um, on the stoop in like on the other side of my the street from where my sister lives and we didn't even hear about it on the news. So, whoa, you don't remember when I told you about that? No, but it doesn't <laughs> surprise me. <laughs> it's funny because, um, when they were like carting him away to the ambulance, there was a crowd forming. And when the, when the ambulance got there, the EMTs kind of like walked up and, you know, they might as well have given him a little kick. You know, he, they just didn't do anything. You know, they took their time putting him on the gurney, doing all that, you know, lifting it up. And then they had the, they had the, the bat, the, um, the tube down his throat and like the bag, um, on his, over his mouth. And as they walked by the crowd, they gave him a couple of like courtesy pumps 
on the bag as if, and then they told everyone like, well, he, you know, he shot himself, but he, he's going to be all right. Blah, blah, blah. And it was like, no, dude, I was outside. I remember I saw like, basically I looked up cause I saw a helicopter above me. I looked back down cause I was uh, picking up some sticks and fixing up the yard. Cause my mom was coming over and Basically, as I look back down, I heard a loud bang and I thought the fucking helicopter, you know, swallowed up a, like a pigeon or something. You know, I thought I thought that fucking <laughs> chopper was maybe coming down. Then I look across the street and there's a cop with a shotgun like over his fucking truck in the yard. Then all of a sudden it's just like cops fill up everywhere. We see the cops drag the guy from like they picked him up like he was a carpet as they picked him up. He had a huge red fucking circle all over his like chest. Damn. He was as dead as you could be like, okay. Very fucking dead. Damn. I didn't know you witnessed the murder. Well, I mean, (laughs) you know, the cops called it, you know, it was a suicide, but I mean, (laughs) how many people take a shotgun and, you know, shoot themselves in the chest? You know, like that. It was, he was like blown up. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it was all over. I, you know what? Uh, uh, Kurt Cobain, I guess. I don't know. Maybe we'll have to <laughs> talk about him one day. <laughs> yeah, possibly. All right. You ready for this week's episode? Yeah, let's hit it. All right. Here we go. Now, there is a mystical, for lack of a better word, board game that has terrorized people for many a years. It is a simple device that contains a series of letters, words, and numbers, which is supposed to allow you or allow the player of said game to talk to spirits, whether they be good, evil, or demonic. There are plenty of people who claim that they were terrorized by something after using this supposedly evil device, according to some. But one has to wonder how something that is mass created in a toy factory has such ethereal power behind it. And this week, we are going to be delving into the Ouija board and see if we can kind of uh, get some answers for what the hell's going on here, Phil. Now, have you used a Ouija board? Uh, Yeah, I have. uh, We couldn't make it move because none of us moved it. So... (laughs) That hey, don't spill the secret. I know. Yet, <laughs> it's, I mean, uh, it. I mean, here's the thing, though. It's one of those. Div- it's one of those things that it has as much power. Like you mentioned, I'm. I might be blowing the the end here. It has as much power as you give it. Yeah, it's yeah. like a crystal ball. It has as much power as you give it. We are going to be talking about the history of it, how it came about. We're going to be. Uh, I'm going to give you advice allegedly, according to some websites about how to use it properly. And okay. then uh, some stories, some real life stories, allegedly real life stories. And then uh, one man actually tackled the scientific, I guess, uh, study of this board and why it's so scary and why things happen when you play with it. It's kind of interesting, actually. Um, I don't know, you know, we're no stranger to controversy, but uh, a lot of people are very passionate about the Ouija board. So, um, I'm, I'm, I, if we had a Ouija board right in front of us right now, I'm pretty sure it would spell out negative reviews on iTunes, but <laughs> I could be wrong. Most definitely. Yeah. We yeah. don't even have to be psychics to figure that one out. 
But uh, yeah, we uh, we didn't talk about football this week. No, so the guy who fucking bitched uh, on one of our posts, he uh, he put it on the post that we talked about football for 10 minutes and he wanted to walk. He wanted to listen to the episode for the interesting topic. But we talked about football for 10 minutes. Like, sorry, dude, that's where we do it. We're whatever. Um, yeah. So it, have you ever heard? I've heard this uh, this device either called the Ouija board or the Ouija board. Um, I don't know if it really matters, but uh, have you always heard Ouija board? Well, I've I've noticed that in the notes, you've spelled it with an O and not a Q. Oh, it, it's supposed to be with an O. It's supposed to be with an O. Okay. Yeah. I thought it was supposed to be a Q. That's why it's Ouija board. No, no, it's okay. supposed to be an O. You well, maybe we ha- maybe maybe we were using a knockoff, and that's why it didn't work. Spirits don't <laughs> like knockoffs. Or yeah. you were using a QAnon-inspired board, maybe. I don't know. Uh, Possibly. Either or. <laughs> the, the, devil o- the devil only likes full, full-sugared Coke. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine the QAnon Ouija board? It just has nothing but liberals, Joe Biden, Hillary Clinton, Eden babies, pedophiles, <laughs> Epstein, Bill Clinton, like... That's all. That's all it'll say. But uh, it's just Trump insults, insults <laughs> yeah. that Trump slings towards everyone. That would actually be a pretty great board game if they made a, move, a Trump insult board game. Move the planchette to Kofifi if you are here with <laughs> us right now. <laughs> all right. Now the initial creation and history of the Ouija board is a pretty interesting one, and was created out of a time in America that. I would consider it to be damn near unthinkable in today's standard uh, due to the more, I would say, conservative or religious approach that America has taken over the last hundred years. But in yeah. the 19th century, uh, spiritual was, spiritualism was massive. It's almost hard to believe that so many people were into it uh, if we think about modern day. And everybody, you know, they, they wanted to communicate with spirits. It wasn't considered taboo um talking to spirits or trying to talk to dead loved ones weren't considered to be like scary or evil you know like some catholic priest might might tell you um as we know mormonism literally was shit out because of this area this time period i'm sorry um it's you know spiritualism was very big yeah, it, I mean, it, there was a ton of kind of offshoot religions that popped out during this time. A lot of the Adventist uh, type, you know, kind of religions came out of this time, like the Millerites were, yep. you know, huge, kind of like these end of the world uh, religions. That's it's it's kind of weird because it it split off. People either went kind of in this like mystical, you know, like spiritual, like you know, trying to talk to ghosts or trying to see if you can make your magical powers work type deal. Or you went the total other way and you were all about fucking, you know, God and damnation and like hell on earth. You know, the end is nigh, basically. You either went one or two paths. So, well, from kind of what I've gathered, um, because I started to read a book about uh, somebody we're going to talk about here in a minute. Uh, It seemed like even the most God-fearing Christians or XYZ religion still would have sought as socially acceptable to try to communicate with dead loved ones. Oh, okay. So even, 
even like the most ardent, like kind of breakaway people were still, okay, I didn't realize that. Because in my mind, I kind of thought that it was like, you know, either either in one way or another, but that's interesting. I mean, okay. you covered the Millerites. I remember that. They obviously yeah. were very fanatical. Um, but yeah, that's kind of my understanding because uh, I don't know. It's as we'll learn, there's a lot of death during this century. Um, a lot yes. of, a lot of hardships. So people, I think were kind of looking for any way to continue to talk to a loved one who has passed on, you know, under whatever circumstances. Yeah. There are a lot of ebbs and flows kind of like with, you know, either, people running towards spiritualism and religion or people kind of like shying away from it. Usually, usually there's a time that, you know, kind of spiritualism goes down and then all of a sudden, uh, basically the next generation comes in and for some reason or another, they're almost rebelling against their parents who weren't spiritual and they are super spiritual. Then the next generation comes and they're not very spiritual. It seems like I would that's kind of what we've had over the last maybe hundred years. Or I, so. I would say we are in a period of spiritualism and kind of fringe newish religions. I've noticed maybe it's just the people I hang out with, but, uh, or talk to, but it seems like, some of the more taboo religions are now becoming more popular, more, I don't know. That's what it seems like to me. Possibly. To me, it seems like we're in a down period for religion. Um, so basically, before, you know, before we kind of like came around, you know, when we were basically like toddlers and infants, kind of like during that Reagan era, religion was like really huge. It was on an upswing. And then during the Clinton years, it went down. And then all of a sudden, the Bush actually kind of goes along with Republican Democrat, doesn't it? During the during the Clinton <laughs> years, it went down. And then Bush years, it went back up again. So now it kind of feels like we're in a down period. But just maybe, maybe it only feels like we're in a down period because I don't think it's as bad. Like if it is an upswing right now, it's not as bad as like when Bush was in office. That was a huge upswing. From yeah. The years. Yeah. Um, maybe post pandemic, maybe people will be because it seems like stuff like that. Uh, people find try to find the source of their existence again. <laughs> um, sometimes I have been noticing a lot of uh, fucking, you know, people looking deep on the inside on the Instagram. So that's probably just for the clicks, though. But... <laughs> it could be. I don't know. Um, but anyway, let's get back here now. It seemed like if you wanted to talk about the creation of the Ouija board, you had to also talk about the most famous people involved in spiritualism, the most, we'll just say hucksters, because I'm pretty sure that's yeah. what they are. And these are the guys I, or girls I was reading the book about, the Fox sisters. Have you heard of them? Yes, I have. Okay. Yep. The book's good. It's very dense, but... Uh, Basically, they claim to be mediums, both of them, and they were able to decipher and communicate with spirits via knocks. They'd go into someone's house, hear knocks. I don't, they haven't really figured out how they were doing the knocks, but that's neither here nor there. But kind of them, their ability to communicate with spirits or allegedly communicate with spirits really just captivated America. And they're like, we can do this. We can, uh, spiritualism's real, you know, that's all it takes sometimes. And as I said, a lot of people were looking for any way 
to kind of relive a moment with dead uh, their dead relatives because of all the hardships in the 19th century. Uh, you had civil war deaths, obviously very gruesome. A lot of diseases, a lot of diseases that don't exist anymore, or at least are very mellowed down, or any sort of famine, starvation, stuff like that. You know, it was uh, it was a tough time to be alive. Oh, definitely. Yeah, I mean, people were still dying of basically the shitting disease. You know, they would just shit themselves to death. Um, also, you're coming off of, you know, in America, you're coming off of a huge war. Everyone knew someone, you know, did make it off the battlefields. Um, you know, half of the country really was burned to the ground, pretty much, you yeah. know, the South. Yeah. So it was kind of, it's it's one of these eras. You come into, you you get out of the war and you get, directly into um reconstruction and it's just like you know hardship 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 for the north not as not as much hardship they kind of hit like a boom after the war but just because they were making kind of like their industries they still had industry they still had you know elevated everything their textile was still huge so it's not like the south who was still like trying to rebuild society but yeah, definitely the hardships. Um, also, diseases. We were still, you know, fifty years away from coming up with like what, penicillin. So yeah, what do you, what were the big ones? Typhus, um, typhoid. Tuberculosis was still big. Yeah, tuberculosis, smallpox. Fuck. Uh, uh, polio wouldn't be big yet. Polio wouldn't actually get big until they closed the sewers. Once polio hit, though, in the like early twentieth century, I believe that's kind of like wait. Late 19th, early 20th century is when they started closing up the sewers and people were getting polio like crazy. That one hit really bad because it mostly affected kids. Yeah. Well, think about TB. I mean, even into, I think it was like the 70s, TB was killing a lot of people. So, man, that that sounds like a horrible, horrible way to die. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We're lucky that a lot of those diseases that basically eat you from the inside, like we just don't have a lot of them anymore, or we have, you know, cures for them, you know, who knows what happens when the antibiotics can't be supersized anymore and, you know, the shit comes back, but (laughs) we'll worry about that tomorrow. Yeah. We're too busy, uh, too busy making money today. So (laughs) now with this boom enters a man by the name of Charles Kennard, a typical quote-unquote businessman chasing the American dream. Now, like most businessmen chasing the American dream in the 19th century, he he was not the most honest of people. Apparently, in the 1880s, he was living in Maryland and was developing a secret quote-unquote bone mix fertilizer. I don't know what that means. Um, I'm sure it doesn't work, but, uh, yep. but old Charles was trying it. Now, Charles was having a bit of, bit of success with his first, uh, fertilizer initially, but it flopped. Charles' office was next to a Prussian immigrant named E.C. Reich, who is a furniture maker, and he decided he's going to go ahead and shift careers into coffin making because that was a lot more... Of a lucrative business back then. Booming, baby. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you make furniture, you can make a coffin. Do you remember we went, well, we went uh, and took that um, tour in Tombstone. Remember they were talking about there were 5,000 people living in Tombstone. Remember like there was, what was it, like 50 or 60 something like 
um, undertakers living in that town <laughs> and all the co- they talked about all the coffin makers just from all the people getting shot. <laughs> so probably the wealthiest people in town. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. But it was uh, obviously, as we said, a lot of dead people. So E.C. Yep. Reich, very busy. Now, the story goes that the two gentlemen sometime in 1886 heard newspaper reports about a quote-unquote talking board that was gaining, gaining traction in Ohio. The two men saw a market for this mysterious talking board that had yet to be tapped. So the woodmaster, E.C. Reich, begins to make all sorts of prototypes for their version of this talking board, but aren't really having a lot of success pitching it to potential investors. Eventually, Kennard would move to Baltimore in 1890 to continue with his bone mix fertilizer endeavors. Uh, He would get into the real estate game, but he would not stop pitching this talking board to investors. And he's about to have a little luck here. So when, when you see these early American businessmen and they've got like their fingers in like four businesses, you know, they're just throwing everything they got at the board. Oh, definitely. Just seeing what sticks. Right. Yeah. He It's I it's funny cuz you were always you before you said running towards the American dream. In my mind, I was thinking probably more running away from, you know, <laughs> angry customers or the law, which is what usually happened. He, Getting run out of town. I mean, he it is pretty easy to disappear back then. Oh, definitely. Yeah. You move to a new town, you paint a different name on the side of your cart. Suddenly, you're not, you know, Mr. Reich, you're Mr. fucking something else, you know, or you're a doctor. A lot of them would put like, oh, doctor, whatever's elixir. And it usually just had alcohol and cocaine in it. (laughs) I wonder how big Baltimore was back in 1890. I don't know. So 1890, it would have been. God, that's. I'm, oh, no, actually, it's right by D.C., isn't it? Yeah. So, yeah, it would have. It, I think it would have been pretty decently sized because um, it Baltimore is a it's on the ocean, right? It's a shipping shipping city. I don't know. The I port just city. I just know it is obviously oh. very close to Washington, D.C. The Wire in the wa- second yeah. season of The Wire. They uh, they basically it's all about the. Port. So, yeah, well, it is. A, it, I mean, then you're probably right. It would, yeah. So it would have been pretty big deal back then. Port the uh, the old ports and water transport really made cities. Oh yeah, East Coast. Now Charles, you know, he's getting rejected left and right from these investors until a man by the name of Elijah Bond walked into the picture. Now Elijah was an attorney who claimed that his sister-in-law was a very powerful medium. Now, this mystical sister-in-law was named... Known today, known today as a cat lady. <clears throat> she probably had a lot of cats, to be honest with you. Yeah. There's a lot of there's a lot of chicks on Instagram who are powerful mediums <laughs> <laughs> right now. Now, after Elijah got on board, his powerful mis- mystical sister-in-law named Helen Peters, she was actually able to convince the U.S. Patent Board to approve, uh, approve their patent for this talking board apparently she used the talking board to spell out the name of the allegedly unknown name of the patent officer 
And once they nailed his name right, he he said, this thing works. Stamped that bitch and he proved it. Okay. So a little, uh, probably a little trickery there, I would imagine. Yeah, she might have showed a little ankle to uh, one of the male clerks in the office and, (laughs) you know, gotten the name. But, you know. Her story could be true, too. We yeah. we will learn here that um, she is, in fact, a bit of a liar. Um, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I will tell also, it. Also a huckster herself. Yeah. Not the powerful medium, she claims. Yeah. Honestly, okay. though, who wasn't a huckster back then? Oh, yeah. It... It's a way of survival. Yeah, definitely. I mean, fuck, who isn't a huckster now, really? You know, Very who's true. showing their real face on the internet, basically? <laughs> uh, no one. No one, no. And if they do, nobody wants to see it. Um, yeah. Now, How many fucking emails a month do we get for people trying to, you know, transcribe our podcast or, you know, do all this shit for us? Basically just trying to, you know, get us to pay them money for nothing. Yeah, a nice gentleman called and said my computer was uh, was frozen up and all he needed my, was my uh, social security <laughs> number to fix it. Real nice guy. I never yeah. talked to him again, but... Uh, my computer worked again. So yeah, that was good. Nice. <laughs> now, eventually after the patent was approved and everything and Elijah Moore was willing to invest in it, uh, Kennard novelty company would be incorporated on the day before Halloween. Ironically enough. Now, Helen Peters claimed that she had received a spiritual message that told her to name the board Ouija because it was an ancient Egyptian word that means good luck. Now, a little deeper dig in here. We actually allegedly found out that Ouija was written on her necklace locket that she had that she Mm -hmm. actually wore. She probably took it from that end. Ouija is not Egyptian. It actually apparently is German and French. I think it was German and French. um, And it all, it means good luck. So she was clearly lying about that as well. So it does mean good luck. Yeah. Just not in kind of, okay, yeah. If it's Egyptian, then it's more mystical. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, definitely. There's there's certain places where all of these, you know, certain products, if they come from a, a certain place on Earth, you know, like uh, kind of like medicine from the Far East, you know, like, ooh, this medicine comes from China, blah, blah, blah. Or like a lot of what was it the uh, the voodoo stuff that comes from the Caribbean? Yeah, you know maybe yeah. it was made twenty miles away in a basement somewhere, but they claimed it came from you know that stuff. I mean, there is nothing mystical about a buff man in a later hose than with sauerkraut coming <laughs> out of his pockets. There's just nothing mystical about that. I'm sorry, um, holding two pints of beer. Yeah, yeah. Now, this is the actual, I guess, official patent here. So you can obviously see the planchard, or planchette, I should say, um, very different from what we know now because the planchette now is more triangular shaped with a hole in the middle that goes over the the letters. This one is just like a circle. It almost looks like a, not a beaker. What do they call this thing in science? Um, maybe a, a beaker might work. It's... Beakers are thin um, cylinders. This is more, yeah, this is kind of like a very, like a globe on bottom, kind of with, you know, tube leading up. But yeah, it's kind of in that shape. I would assume the pointer part of it is supposed to point at 
you know, whatever yes. letter, number, yes or no, whatever you want on there. I assume that's how this one is supposed to work. Yeah, looking at this patent, it kind of gives you a little demonstration of how it works, basically. And yeah, it looks like the top pointer, the top of that triangle, lands on the letter. And that's that's the letter that it's on. The Like you said, the plant chart now has a circle in the middle, and that's what letter it is. I could just see the patent office guy. He's wearing his uniform, and it literally has his name tag on it. And she's like, I will guess your name. Your name is O'Donnell. Oh, shit. This thing works so good. But, uh, yeah, it... Uh, now, continuing on here. Eventually, a man by the name of William Fold was brought in to help produce these boards. Now, apparently, William Fold was an employee of Elijah... Um, Bond, but I'm not really sure why he brought him in. Doesn't really seem to give that information, but he does get involved here. Now, when the Ouija board went on sale in the 1890s, it almost immediately was a hit. 2,000 Ouija boards were sold very rapidly, and some sources said at that time they costed a dollar fifty. So, pretty not bad. Dollar fifty at that time was kind of a lot. You I think mean, so? In the eighteen nineties, yeah, I, it's it's <laughs> still it's still back then when you could buy a horse for like five bucks. I think maybe not in the eighteen nineties. Maybe I'm thinking earlier, but I'm pretty sure like a dollar fifty could get you quite a bit back then. Could so. it? Could you, yeah? But you got to consider: could a horse talk to dead grandma? You hope not. <laughs> I would assume not, but, you know, you got to remember, people were into this shit, so. Um, yeah, that's true. Now, Charles Kennard and Elijah Bond, for some reason, they must have believed that they made as much money as they possibly were on the Ouija boards, and they just went ahead and cashed out their stake in the company. They backed out, which was a huge mistake in hindsight. They gave yeah. uh, William Fold... He got full control of the company from here on out. So this dude was just brought in. Now he's like the president of the company. Weirdly, William Fold's brother Isaac would also be involved in the company in some way. I wasn't couldn't really find how. And with the sales rocking, William actually forced his own brother out of the company somehow. Yeah. All while William was still making millions. He was making a shit ton of money. Or I think yeah, the millions the, is over this, a period of time, but he was making a lot of money. 1890s, this was definitely the heyday of the robber barons. Yeah. So yeah, like this kind of fucking, you know, this kind of business acumen was pretty popular at this point. Doing the <laughs> JP Morgan shit. Yeah. You know, fuck everybody. My profit, my profit, you know. Now listen, um, listen to what Isaac does for revenge here. Um, Isaac naturally tried to sue the shit out of, out of William. Didn't go anywhere. Couldn't do that. Isaac actually had his dead baby daughter's body exhumed because it must have been in a cemetery with some of William's family members. He went ahead and re relocated her somewhere else uh, just so his side of the family would not be mixed with William's. The two families actually did not talk to each other for... The next 96 years. Oh, I fucking bet. Yeah, when one side of the family is living off of fucking generational wealth and you have the other side who basically 
I don't know what they were doing, but they weren't, you know, billionaires, you know, no. millionaires making that into, you know, millions and millions of dollars, generational fucking shit, possibly living in trailer parks. Who knows? You know, because <laughs> you like think about how bitter you would be. Yeah. Like, yeah. Even the grandchildren would be bitter about that shit. Thinking about like, God damn it. Like just because of our greedy ancestor on, you know, the other side, fucking our ancestor over. You know, we're basically living a normal life, having to work and shit while our, while our cousins don't do fuck all. Right. So. Right. It's yeah. It. William, uh, you know, he sounds like what I consider a bit of a cocksucker. Um, <laughs> but but William would actually continue to run the company for the next 30 years. Eventually, he said the Ouija board actually told him that he needs to go ahead and prepare for an even, even bigger business. And the Ouija board told him he needed to build a new factory in the 1920s. In 1927, William was overseeing the installation of a flag at said factory when an iron railway gave out and William Fold would fall to his death. He died from a broken rib that pierced right through his heart. Apparently on his deathbed, I don't know if this is true or not, but he made his children promise that they would never sell the Ouija board out of their family. So um, I guess it's a little poetic justice there. I I mean, it was 30 years later, but, uh, you know, not a great way, not a great way to die there. Yeah, I imagine during the 1920s falling to your death was, uh, well, I think. Black Tuesday was that decade. So falling to your death probably was a top five way to die back that decade. Yeah. But um, yeah, no, it's probably a lot more common than it is now. So it is amazing that he lived long with a broken rib piercing his heart to like make his prom, make his children promise that on his deathbed. You would think that would kill him instantly. Maybe that didn't, it didn't go like all the way through or something. I did, or maybe the bone was holding, the blood from pumping out? I don't know, but... Blood just slowly seeping into his uh, abdominal cavity? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> just, hor- just horrible. That's the worst way you can die. You can about imagine with uh, this product, the it tends to create some legends. Most of yep. this information's true that we know. It's just maybe he didn't... T- maybe he told his children that beforehand. He didn't necessarily tell them that while he was dying okay you know yeah. i don't know it's it's hard to say not that it's uh that big of a deal because they actually wouldn't listen to him <laughs> yeah uh, well i mean at you gotta think he's thinking like jesus this thing is printing me money like basically there's you know it's the biggest it's the easiest huckster thing it sells itself basically like the legend just keeps rolling on today everyone knows what a ouija board is you know, Very everyone true. like it's you don't even see it advertised. They just sell them, you know, you know, you know what I was kind of reading and it, it you know, it didn't confirm this was kind of what I was gathering from the research was um, say somebody died, you know, obviously yeah. we know now they would display the body in the um, what do they call it? Um, the living room, I guess. Um, and oh, you mean like a wake? Yeah, but they would have Pers- it at their like- personal homes, right? Yeah, And they would have this board and they would lay it on top of the coffin 
that was sitting oh. in the room and then they would try to communicate with the dead body. I get the person who died. Okay. Gotcha. That's, that's I, I never heard that before, but that's kind of what I was gathering. I mean, I can't confirm or deny that, but, uh, you know, obviously if they're spiritual person just died, maybe they thought their spirit was close to their body. I don't know. Yeah. You know why they have a wake? Do you, you ever heard yeah. why they call it a wake? Yeah. So they uh, see if they wake up. Yeah. Sometimes they woke up, basically. Yeah, so the, they weren't very good at uh, figuring out if people were actually dead or not. And the alcohol people drank back then was, uh, you know, cause people to go into deep comas sometimes. <laughs> yeah. And a few days later, you know, they find them the next morning in a gutter. They just assume, oh, they're dead, you know. Um, basically, the whole thing with the graveyard shift and the, the dead ringer, too. So, right. I think yeah. we talked about that before. Yeah. Dead Ringer is pretty sweet, actually. Yeah. Now, the family would actually keep the Ouija board, uh, you know, owned by them at least for the next four decades. But in 1967, they sold it to Parker Brothers. And Parker Brothers, obviously, very big board game company at the time. They would yeah. actually start to manufacture the boards out of their main factory that was located in Salem, Massachusetts, which is, uh, <laughs> I don't know, a weird coincidence, I guess. Uh, but uh, Possibly, yeah. Or or maybe, you know, that's just the place to have it. Then you can put, it was manufactured in Salem, Massachusetts. Now, what I think is interesting is it almost seems like once the Parker brothers got the patents or whatever for this, they were able to distribute it on a much uh, wider scale. So they quickly sold like 2 million boards, just boom, 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 mm -hmm. almost immediately. So they must have been able to distribute it to a much larger uh, crowd. Maybe they made it more affordable too. That definitely could be. Now it seems- well, well, when you're when you're Parker Brothers, when you're a big company like that, you know, the avenues for your products kind of open up, you know? Yeah. I mean, that little, that small business, the family- they probably have, you know, deals that go back 50 years with some store in this town and some store in this other town. Parker Brothers just sells it everywhere. Right. And during, you know, the the 60s, 70s, that's kind of like when there was a huge boom, like malls were beginning to open up. So that is a good point, actually. I didn't even think about yeah. that. Um, now, it seems like in 1991, the rights were eventually transferred to Hasbro. I'm guessing Hasbro might have bought out Parker Brothers, but still kept the Parker Brothers brand for a while. That's kind of what mm. I was reading there. Now, it is estimated since the inception of said Ouija board, the Ouija board has actually sold more than 25 million units. Uh, and I was kind of looking now, obviously you can buy a multiple multitude of cheap knockoffs, but... If you want the original Hasbro Ouija board, it is $21.99 on Amazon right now. It's not bad. It's actually, if you go to places that like sell board games, you know, um, well, like the niche stores, they're going to be a little bit more expensive. But like Target, that's kind of like, that's what most of the Ouija boards are, or that's what most of the board games are, like 20 to 30 bucks. I mean, if you think about it, it's literally a sheet printed on a cardboard thing yep. and it's got a little plastic planchette. It's not, you know, I'm sure it doesn't cost that much to make it. Well, you know, you got to have the witches with the, uh, 
crystals in their cats, you know, kind of the do their magic over it. So that happens at the factory. Most yeah, definitely. I just have a coven of witches who just working a nine to five, getting all these fucking boards ready. That would be great if it turned out the factory was actually like a little cottage industry, like a literal cottage with witches in it, like making these uh, these board games. That'd be kind of great. <laughs> I mean, more people would probably buy them, to be honest with you. No, oh, yeah. I wouldn't make fun of it so much if there were actual witches, you know, <laughs> doing that shit. Not like the witches we have now, but you know what I mean, like the yeah. for real ones. Yeah, the for real ones. Okay, so now I'm going to go over how you are supposed to use the Ouija board properly and protect yourself from dark entities. This is quite okay. a this is quite a list, so uh bear with me. Number one, find a quiet place. With no distractions. Do not use a Ouija board in a grave graveyard. Cleanse the space of negative energy via sage or incense. Clean your board with sage. <laughs> it's cardboard. <laughs> okay, come on. All right. All right, all right, all right Light black candles to protect you from negative spirits. Gather at least two people to use the Ouija board as long along with yourself make sure preferably one of them being an asshole yeah <laughs> no this says make sure all participants are in a good mood and good headspace okay ask each participant to do a spiritual cleansing when you talk to spirits set a positive intention for your session ask the spirit to introduce itself but be cautious of what you ask it do not ask the spirit to show you it is with you via moving things in your home or making noises. Make sure you are kind to the spirit who is visiting you. Don't believe everything the spirit tells you via the Ouija board. If you attract a negative spirit and it makes you uneasy, end the session early. Don't trifle with it. Make sure you state when you're finished and say goodbye to the spirit. Cleanse your board after the session with sage and incense and say any spirits lingering in this home must leave. When you store your board, make sure the planchette isn't positioned in a way that it is pointing at any of the letters, numbers, or words on the board. So, according to this, if you're setting out to attempt to talk to a spirit of some kind, make sure you follow these, or at least most of these rules, so you don't, um, you know, end up in the predicament like some of these people we're going to talk about in personal stories with the Ouija board. So, I mean, it's pretty straightforward stuff. Uh, you know, un- a negative spirits is the one that everyone always obviously gets scared of. So if, you know, they invade you, you want to you wanna close that shit out. Definitely. Yeah, I think the last one, uh, basically making sure you're bored properly, you know, doing all that. That's good for any board game. There's nothing worse than like when you go to someone's house and they're like, oh, I have this game. And you're like, oh, that might be fun. And they pull it out and it's just like the board's all you know, ripped up. They're missing like half the pieces and 
you know, like categories, like, oh, we only have like two pads left, basically. That sort of thing. So <laughs> fucking that's monop- always shitty. The fucking sharing mono- pads. The monopoly money's thrown everywhere, mixed up. The houses and motels are missing. It's fucking annoying. <laughs> There's like three motels left. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, you ready for story number one? Yes. Let's hit it. All right. A girl brought her authentic Ouija board made out of maple straight from Salem. Ironically, she was very Catholic, but loved her board, and it was very interesting few nights in dorm with it. I think the second night we were playing with it, and it was going slow, not much movement, meh. I had my hand on the planchette because I still wasn't so sure about this thing. Suddenly. It was like cold fingers grabbed onto my shoulders ever so slightly. And this terrible feeling in in the back of my mind just came to the surface. I looked at the board and the planchette started moving in a demonic pattern. I think figure eights this time. I look at the girl and said, I have a bad feeling about this. In time for her to realize what was happening. She stopped the movement and bid the spirit goodbye. At the moment, the icy grip loosened and all was well. Everyone was like, whoa, when the girl explained that the figure eight meant that something was trying to get out of the board. This is common lore that goes with Ouija usage. So, okay, how do you feel about that one? Uh, I've never heard the figure eight thing. Yeah, um, I, when is that demonic? I thought that was just something rednecks do in their cars. Yeah, I don't know. Like the whole like it was moving in a demonic pattern. It's like how did did you know it was a demonic pattern before she mentioned it, or was it just like moving all you know squiggly like crazy? I don't. Maybe like in the fashion it was moving. Um, yeah, I could see. It's I don't know. Uh, <laughs> Look, <laughs> could the icy fingers have been Prince Philip? Possibly. <laughs> Joe Biden smelling yeah. some hair, possibly. You the know, spirit of he hasn't had Joe blood. Biden traveled. He doesn't have much blood flow to those hands, so it could have been his ice cold hands. <laughs> possibly. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> All right, we'll move on to the next one here. Uh, this one is kind of fucked up, but uh, I kind of liked it. When when my aunt was 16, she had a pretty serious boyfriend. When she used a board, she asked if they would get married, and it said no. She asked if they would break up. No. Asked if one of them would die, and it said yes. And when she asked which one of them, it said goodbye. A week later, her boyfriend was in a wood chipper accident at the mill where he worked, and he was dead. Okay. So, I don't know. That one would be kind of creepy um, if that happened. <laughs> I, I would be. It Was she playing it by herself? Yeah, I Maybe? guess so. I guess so. Okay. Interesting. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I was going to say, if she was maybe hanging out with who wanted to date her and worked at the same, you know, wood chipper mill that uh, her boyfriend worked out. I might be a little bit worried about that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing, man, it sounds horrible to die in a fucking wood chipper. Oh my God. Oh, it's the worst. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, you hope you you hope you get sucked in head first or yeah. like arms and head first and not feet first because that's that's going to be a pretty rough uh, like eight seconds You've seen- <laughs> before <laughs> before you uh, you get, you know, ran through it. You've, so. you've seen the movie Fargo, right? Yes. <laughs> Where he's grinding the body up in the mulcher or wood chip or whatever. Well, yeah. <laughs> Damn. Um, there's a, well, it, it's a really old episode of South Park where the shop teacher is going to kill himself by, uh, you know, running himself over. Like it's a, it's a big saw, like in the middle of the t- table and he's going feet first. And then he basically goes, Whoa, God, what was I thinking? And he turns around. So he's going head first. <laughs> <laughs> That's like from the first or second season or something like that. God, I don't remember that one, but I probably have seen it. Oh, it's fucking like, it's almost 30 years ago, I think, by now. I know, that shit's been on for fucking ever, hasn't it? Yeah. All right, next one. I was over at a friend's house back in the early 90s. I believe I was in ninth grade at the time. There were four of us, myself and three other girls. They kept asking me if I wanted to play with the Ouija board because they've been talking to some dude on it named Roger. I was totally skeptical at first. I wasn't buying it. Totally thought they were moving the planchette until I asked the board a question that only I knew. We had only just gotten our grades back from school that day and I asked the board what I got in science. I remember it clearly and I know... My friends did not know the answer. The board spelled out my grade. Of course, that piqued my interest, so I started asking more questions. I can't really recall the details of that name other than the board kept calling one of my friends a bitch. It hated her. (laughs) It liked me. His name was Roger, and he had been stabbed to death. At one point, I was the only one controlling the board and asking questions. It worked. The freakiest thing that ever happened to me, I'm not super spiritual, have never seen anything else paranormal related, and I feel that I'm a very rational person. All I know is something supernatural was controlling that board without a doubt. So, um, first off, Roger... All right, you can't be going around calling young girls bitches. Number one, it's uh, the, the during the it was a different time, the yeah, 90s. Very true. and it sounds like he was maybe from like even earlier. So bitch just might have been what he called women. So <laughs> you know, it's the nineties. Could Roger have been Roger Moore? Ooh, I don't think he was dead maybe. yet, but let's just pretend he was. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because it's like okay, in knew my grade. Ma'am, there's only four options. We're going to assume you wouldn't have failed or even gotten a D because um, you probably would have been complaining about it right away. So let's just say you got three options. Could have yeah. guessed one right. An A, you were bragging. A D, you were pissed. And basically, your friends know if you're a B or C student. So yeah. I'm guessing they yeah. probably just took a, took a crack at it. <laughs> also, well... I mean, here's the thing, and you know, I'm pretty skeptical. Anybody who kind of like tells stories, I just always assume that they're they're lying, you know, video or it's fake. That's what I always believe. Right. In about five years, I'm gonna say the videos are fake too because of deepfakes. <laughs> but it's, I mean, any anything that you see basically kind of like written like this, you just assume it's fake. It's just someone trying to get attention. 
I've seen a few videos with Ouija boards, you know, the planchette moving and such, but um, without anybody touching it, you know. But again, we live in a time and place where, like, every video's faked usually, so it's, like, it's hard to tell sometimes what's real or not, especially with paranormal shit. Yeah, you got to watch out for either stop motion or maybe like strings or magnets. Magnets might be a, like magnet under the table might be a big one, too. Yeah, so. yeah, I uh, that was kind of the big one, a magnet and then someone can move it under there. You know, yep. it's, it's pretty easy trick there. Now, the final story I got here, we'll go ahead with. I got a call from my cousin who said that he, his brother, his dad, and his best friend were using a Ouija in their basement. That's an odd party. <laughs> Sausage fest, that's for sure. <laughs> Prior to starting, they took a large porcelain doll out of the room because it was creepy and placed it in an adjacent room face down on a pile of towels. My cousin took a short break because the board was just spouting nonsense. He went to use the bathroom. His dad and brother and friends started asking the board questions without him. One of the questions was who was in the other room. It just started spouting random numbers. And when my cousin came back into the room, his brother said that it wasn't working and that they were going to put it away. And he showed him the answer to the last question he asked. And he said, dude, that's my social security number. <laughs> <laughs> It must be a fucking Ukrainian hacker, Russian hacker. I don't know. Something. But, yeah, uh, there's no way his dad would know his social security. Absolutely number. not. At all. Absolutely not. <laughs> Dude, that's my social security number. Dude. Also, I doubt he would unless like I know I know my social security number. Well, the first thing was my first job. It was our kind of like login. Yeah. So I only had that job for a month. It was really when I joined the military that I had my social security number memorized. So I don't know how old this cousin was, but like, remember, you know, having your social security number memorized. You know, what's that funny, a little weird logging in on a probably semi unprotected device <laughs> with your social security number in hindsight, not the greatest idea. No, definitely not. Especially that place was full of fucking uh, all the managers there seem like scammers themselves. They, they were all were. horrible people. Yeah. Guaranteed they fucking it, like these days, if it was that situation, they would sell your information. I don't oh, know sure. back then if you could actually sell, you know, the Internet wasn't wasn't gigantic like it is now back then. No, talking like 2002. So no. it was big, but it wasn't like, you know, fucking everything it wasn't everything let's just say right right absolutely well uh we'll kind of uh finish off here with this uh mr scientist so there's a man named chris french whom was a professor emeritus of psychology at goldsmith's university of london who had spent many decades trying to use science to explain paranormal things he and his friends would regularly use a ouija board but nothing ever paranormal happened to them. He claimed one time he thought his wine glass had moved uh, by its own and he determined that he had to be suffering from the ideomotor effect. What, what this is basically is that your subconscious mind is creating involuntary movements such as, um, he used an example like if you're going to kiss someone, right? you almost like naturally know without thinking to do it to like lean forward, you know, 
It's like you're, yeah. you're even moving your fingers. You might not even realize you're doing it. So what he he speculated here is that he might have accidentally moved the wine glass with an involuntary uh, movement of his body, but he didn't realize he was doing that. Thus, he scared himself into thinking the wine glass had moved. Yeah, there's also condensation on the bottom of the glass, uh, okay. possibly. So, uh, and, that too, and if he's from London, I'm sure he's been drinking quite a few of them. So the conversations <laughs> had some time to build up. His last name is French. I mean, you know, he's had some wine. He, so. He's a drinker. Now, uh, Mr. French here, he also went on to explain maybe how you might get a name on the Ouija board. And this kind of makes sense that he concludes that, let's say um, you the planchette moves to a P, right? Your mind yeah. automatically fills in the blank for what that name could possibly be, such as like a Patrick or even a Philip. Now, he ran a lot of other sorts of tests, such as like uh, he blindfolded someone and told them, or he blindfolded multiple people and told them to spell out uh, certain words, right? Without seeing yeah. themselves do it. And they could almost like automatically move the planchette to where they thought the letters were and be pretty close on it. So... Um, I thought that was kind of interesting. And like I said, he kind of came to the conclusion that you're in a heightened state of fear when you're playing with this thing because it's supposed to freak you out, obviously. And your subconscious yeah. mind might be doing things that you don't really realize are doing and it could potentially uh, cause you to freak out. So it's impossible to say for certain if it's us tricking our own minds with the board into scaring yourselves, you know, it's possible the mind is kind of a uh, bastard thing yep. or it could, you know, it could be weird things, you know, paranormal. We don't really know. There's no way of proving it either way. So now that we've kind of concluded the episode, I guess we want to talk about our personal opinions on the Ouija board. Is it actually physically possible to use this thing to speak to either dead people or demons if you're into that or is it a game that just has gay notoriety and is simply made to scare more often than not younger people Ooh, um that's a tough one so my view on it is for pretty much every single instance of anyone using it it's not real um i mean i do how do I put this? So mostly I believe that like ghosts and the paranormal type stuff is kind of like just different, like dimensional planes, like that sort of thing. So I don't really think they, I don't think it's kind of like, you know, a spirit like lingering and actually like moving the shit around. Um, I would say, but I don't know. I mean, if ghosts are real, then I believe they could move around to like a Ouija board plancher on their own. But I think in most cases, it's just like what you were saying, like the people subconsciously moving it or what I was saying, just some asshole in the group. Like, it's always the asshole. Like, figure out who the biggest asshole in the group. That's the one who's moving. <laughs> well, you know, like, my but if you ever see him freak out and run out of the room, freak out and run out of the room, it maybe it's real because it's moving. You know, <laughs> it's not them moving it. So it's funny because the one Ouija board experience, I remember, I'm sure I've been in the room when other people were playing with it or whatever, but uh, I remember we went upstairs to my grandma's house, which already freaked me out a little bit, and I remember yeah. it was me, 
and my cousin Jesse and I think somebody else, but she, you know, she was your prototypical young teenage girl, wanted to get freaked out or whatever, was playing this board. She's like, okay, we put our hands on it and it's moving. And then I just lifted my fingers up and it kept moving with her moving it. And I'm like, Jesse, you're moving it. Like, <laughs> like I caught on pretty quick. Um, yeah. But then again, you have people who are adamant that something weird happened to them when they're playing with this thing. Now, the thing that I wonder, right, like you said, maybe if spirits or ghosts are real, they would have some form of way of talking to us. But also, do you necessarily need a Ouija board to talk to them if that's a possibility? Because in all essence, it's just a piece of cardboard with a plastic tool with letters on it. So if you could talk to them, you should be able to do it in many other ways besides just a Ouija board. So maybe the Ouija board itself isn't inherently bad. It's obviously gotten a reputation of being very scary. I mean, it's in movies. They made a whole series of shitty horror movies just about a Ouija board. Um, yeah. You know, it. I don't know. It's, it's kind of well, a... It, go ahead. It's almost like the Ouija board is in itself like a plot device. It's, you know, it, it start, how many, how many horror movies start off with the Ouija board and then there's a haunting and then there's, you know, all this stuff. I think I also kind of had an idea, kind of what I was thinking before. Um, I was trying to remember the word, um, a topa. Oh, so yeah. maybe it is you creating this, you know, whatever it is, maybe it's you creating that, like projecting it into the world kind of deal like you you know your imagination maybe mixing with your fear all of that kind of like brings this into being creating the topa so yeah and especially if enough people if you believe yeah. a topa is a real thing right if enough people believe in it then that would enhance said power of topa um now i guess the thing is whether or not a ouija board is actually real can do harm to you can do whatever um, the thing is you don't have to use it whether yeah. or not it works or not. So, uh, you're kind of taking a risk either way. Uh, but I guess everything in life, life's a risk at, at some point, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's, I've always been extremely skeptical of Ouija boards, but, um, I don't know. I guess if you're going to play with it, you're listening to this show, you, you enjoy messing with it. Uh, if something happens before going to paranormal, maybe just stop for a second. Think about it. If there's no rational explanation, then go ahead. Go to the paranormal. But do the yeah. steps leading up to that point. I think with paranormal stuff, that's always my thing. Let's go. Let's take all the steps beforehand and then look at it as something weird. Yeah. The groan in the woods is not always Sasquatch. <laughs> probably no matter rats. what the history channel says it's not always a, a sasquatch it's so. probably a fucking animal getting eaten alive or i don't know it's or yeah, like a animals. rabbit being eaten yeah, yeah. Or it's, animals it's, fucking it's, i don't know <laughs> two cats fucking <laughs> it's funny. no it's uh so yeah when you were telling your story about like you playing the ouija board uh with your cousin jesse in my mind i immediately said was nikki moving it <laughs> probably probably honestly no i yeah. caught jesse moving in because i just barely lifted my hands off of it and then it took off and now i'm like you're just moving it. i'm watching you 
Yeah. Yeah. It's always someone. It's it's usually the older person in the group fucking with the younger person. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Jesse was always the type who wanted to go stay places just to get scared like that. That's just how she was. So uh, Ouija board is was her uh, vessel to try to scare the shit out of me. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It's. I don't know. I guess we don't really have any answers, but we do have a possibility that you could just be tricking yourself. Just think of that first before you assume, you know, Lucifer himself is hanging out in your living room. Yeah, I think if you and I like had a Ouija board and we're using it like now when we were kids, one of us might be trying to. Find it. But I think like at our age now trying to use it just to see what would happen. I think it wouldn't move at all because. I think neither of us would be fucking with each other like at this point. So no. I think it would just sit still, basically. It's you know, when we went to uh Tombstone, did the ghost tour, right? You're sitting yeah. in that pitch black. I don't know about you, but it felt like my eyes were trying to trick me just because you could not it was very hard to make out any distinctive shapes. Yes. Well, and also the tour guide had been working you for forty five minutes before. Yeah. Telling you how fucking haunted this place was. Showing you those unbelievable pictures, which one woman, I love that, the, the girl in the, the group, when she saw the pictures on the iPad, she's like, if those pictures are real, that's the best evidence for ghosts I've ever seen. Like, <laughs> ever. And all of a sudden, everyone kind of looked around like, oh, shit. Yeah, those are too good to be true. Got to like, get them warmed up. She was showing. You got to get them warmed up. Exactly. Yeah, she was warming up the crowd. Yeah. And also, she wasn't the best uh, tour guide for a paranormal, I think. She was, uh, yeah, she was kind of phoning it in that night a little bit. <laughs> well, I so, think it was like her let's third, just say. It was her third or fourth tour. I imagine she was a little tired. Yeah, exactly. It was getting pretty late. Yeah, and she'd probably been doing it for 15 years. So. I will say this, though. You can at least, uh, this is my two cents. If you have a opportunity, take the tour. It's kind of fun. Yeah, it's a uh, Tombstone's a great place to visit. Roswell, not so much. No, <laughs> Roswell, dog shit town. Just the UFOs is all there is there. So the yeah. museum was cool, but I yeah. had it's one of those things where I think you almost have to see it. But it's you'll probably realize maybe it wasn't worth it in the end. But uh, it's, you just got to see it. That's how Stonehenge was. Yeah, great seeing it. Wasn't worth the trip. So. Yeah. Ah, one day I will see it, god damn it. But uh <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, this is a prime prime app opportunity to contact either of us with your Ouija board stories. Honestly, I would love to hear them maybe. Uh I just want to read them, give your input and all that. But uh, where can they contact us, Phil? Yeah, tell us uh, you know, you know, tell us your stories. Tell us that uh, we're full of shit. We got thick skin. It's okay. You can hit us up on our email, subliminaldpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, love hearing from people. You know, uh, get messages from now and now and again. Just, uh, you know, maybe even giving us ideas for an episode. Those are always great, too. I've actually used a couple. So for my own episodes, uh, probably an even better way to get a hold of us, though. Subliminal Deception Podcast on IG. Uh, it's great hearing from everybody. You know, all the... You know, even just commenting on, you know, our posts, it's it's all good. Uh, Cody and I also have our own Instagram accounts. Mine is stpodphil. Cody, you got one? Yeah, you can follow me at Cody's, uh, Cody's Above. Give me a follow. Uh, talk to me. Do whatever you want. You can send 
Ouija board stories there too, if you'd like. Um, the last thing we ask you guys to do is to log on to iTunes, leave a show a five-star review. doesn't matter what you say, just preferably a five-star written review. Some of you have taken the time to do that for us, and we greatly appreciate it. If you're a Spotify user, it's even easier. You just hit the five stars, hit submit. You don't type. It's anonymous. It is wonderful, and it is done the correct way. Well, guys, I hope you uh, liked our episode here. Hopefully, it didn't make you too mad, but uh, we, we're, just, <laughs> we're just trying to be rational and get to the truth here. We'll see you guys next week. Thanks, guys. <laughs>